0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Mikaz and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: What a weekend it was, and we're here to recap it all. Welcome into Crunch Time here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion. Houston Astros, Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In the world of the NFL, you had two star-studded conference championship matchups, and to be honest, they were both a little underwhelming. I mean, first you have the, the Eagles and Niners. The the Eagles just kind of did just enough to, to run away with it, and the Niners needed contract negotiations to take place in the locker room at halftime because they needed a new quarterback desperately. I mean, you, you you heard the commentators have the discussion about who else could play quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. That's how bad it got. And then the other game, the, the Bengals and the Chiefs, we'll 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 get into it james mesh my producer and co-host good afternoon sir how are you oh it's a glorious monday
2: uh, sure sure 49ers are finally out of it oh
1: god you that's sad that's sad it's not sad it's whatever i was i was only cheering for one player who didn't even play yesterday so you know my my feelings aren't hurt it's whatever but again, you know, you look at these two matchups and, and the storyline, at least on social media, is NFL officiating. Oh, and, this and this, how bad it is. This and, no, no,
2: no, 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 no. It wasn't even NFL. No, no, no. It was all sports. Everybody was complaining on oh. Twitter and Instagram. If like whatever whatever platform you use for social media, everybody was complaining about it. This was the weekend of crybabies talking about officiating. Oh and we'll we'll get
1: to we'll get to the specific crybaby a little later, but looking at just these two NFL games, you had some controversial cause in the Eagles Niners game. I honestly thought that the officiating in that game was pretty solid. I had no issue with the calls outside of one or two calls. I thought the officiating in that game was pretty good. Okay. Other than other than the Smitty catch,
2: that shouldn't have been called. That's that's on Kyle Shanahan the coaching staff. Yeah, that that's on them. That's yep. not necessarily on the refs. The Eagles did what they were supposed to do and got to the line quickly, so you couldn't challenge it. You had plenty of time because because that was a what forty yard catch. Yeah, you had forty yards and you had a good bit of time to challenge it if you didn't feel it because Hafunga. He, he said incomplete, but he obviously wasn't very adamant about it. He just kind of was like, eh. Kind of like how all DBs are. is right, like, right. oh, no, that's incomplete, man. It's like, if you really believed it, you should have been like, hey, challenge, challenge it. Throw the flag. Throw the flag. There was no right. urgency with the 49ers coaching staff. Other than that, all the other calls I saw were completely fine and very legitimate.
1: No. The, the first game, I, I didn't see a whole lot of issue. The second game... Is I think the one where where people have the gripe. That yeah, there, game, there were quite a few calls. Felt, that game felt very one sided, officiating wise. It it felt one sided, but here here's here's my two cents. Officiating can be bad, and and it has been bad in the NFL all season long. We've talked about it all year, but I am a big believer in. You cannot blame the refs for your loss if you do not do your own job. And the Bengals offensive line, Bengals offense as a whole really, didn't do their job. Joe Joe did did not have his sharpest game. Joe Burrow was hurried 12 times, sacked 5, and Joe threw 2. Bad interceptions. Mm-hmm. Now, did the Chiefs get anything off of either interception? No, they, they ended up punting it. But you still threw them. That's still possessions that you could have put points on the board that you didn't. Now, the the late hit at the end of the game. I thought it was the right call. I believe so
2: too. I thought it was the right call. Because here's the thing. Before before we get to that, going back to, because there were three controversial calls on the fourth quarter of that game. Correct. There was the whistle on third down that they gave him another third down, which, listening back to the audio, I never heard a whistle. I agree, but guess what? That drive ultimately resulted in a punt.
1: Right. That So that that there, didn't was no, there was
2: no points to the Chiefs for that. And then you had the second and seven Joe tries to dump it off, kind of. He threw it it toward the ground, but Samaje was within, like, three yards, but they called intentional grounding. It's not like they were in the red zone when Joe did that. They were at their own 16, 17-yard line. So it's like there's no guarantee that the Bengals would have scored there either.
1: I'm going to say this. If you force the Chiefs to kick three field goals in a contest— and you don't take care of your business, that's on you, bud. That's your own damn fault. That's on you. If you hold that offense to three field goals and you don't win the game, that's on you. Because that
2: first interception by Joe did not look good. It was bad. It was pretty it was bad. bad. There was miscommunication, more likely than not, but still. He forced the ball down the field, and the
1: Chiefs DB turned around and said, Ooh, thanks, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you. Early birthday, late Christmas? Like, come on. I and then the, and then the second one he was he was just throwing jump balls to T Higgins all game. I just I can't I I can't be one of those people oh, you know the the refs cheated for the big, the refs cheated for the cheat no they didn't. Again, controversial calls, sure. But you didn't do what you needed to do. Now, if Joe Burrow would have had zero picks through for you like know 320, three 320 touchdowns. 330 couple touchdowns and then there was a call that changed the game. Sure, we, we, we could discuss how uh, officiating might have robbed the Bengals. But that wasn't the case last night. The Bengals lost. Cincinnati, although they didn't play great either, they played better than Cincinnati. And that's all that mattered. You did just enough down the stretch to win the game.
2: And here's the thing. With that, with that push out of bounds, people are saying, "Well, running backs get hit like that all the time." It's like you can't do it to a quarterback. But but here's the thing: you watch the sideline view. Here, he he already had a whole was, step out of bounds. He had given himself up. Oh yeah, he he had one foot
1: out of bounds, and his second foot was almost out too. That was that was Osai's so, fault, one hundred percent. There is no. It it's a well, bad call. Like it it I was, mean, it was it was a bad decision by Osai. You you should have let up and just let him step out. Yeah. And but guess what?
2: Guess what? That made it a forty five yard field goal?
1: Correct. So you take the fifteen that's a sixty yarder. I don't think Harrison Butker's making a fifty yard field goal. I still think he has a good shot of making it. Oh, that's that's a long way out. It is. And I don't know if you saw the, the angle from the camera that's right there at the goalpost. I don't know that his, that football had another 15 yards in it. Well, it barely got to the
2: net. Well, you also got to remember, that's also just because he did a super high-arcing kick. That thing, that thing stood in the air for a while. So, to me, I still think he had a really good chance, but you pretty much sealed it with that oh, push yeah. out of bounds. That,
1: that, you you that gave play, it to him there. Yeah, that play won them the game. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I'm not going to sit here and... And and even then,
2: even then, the Chiefs, they were out of timeouts. Mm-hmm. But they still had eight seconds. So mm-hmm. who's to say they couldn't have gotten another five yard out? So then it's a 55 yarder instead of a 60. And then they kick it with two seconds left. Like, there's still a lot of possibilities. And I still think Harrison Butker had a good shot of making
1: a 60 yarder. I don't remember where the win was going at that point. I don't either, but... Look, at at the end of the day uh, again, everybody's on so oh, you know, the refs cheated. No. I, I just can't I I can't fall into that logic because the Bengals didn't play well. Joe Burrow threw bad interceptions, the offensive line did not protect him. It's like the the mediocre play you had the other 59 and a half minutes. Eli Apple means nothing. Eli Apple made a terrible decision on that defensive holding call. Who's to say that t- uh Kansas City doesn't punt it right there on fourth down, you go down the field and score. You could look at that defensive holding call that gave Kansas City a whole nother possession as a turning point in the game. And that was one hundred percent the correct call. Eli Apple was draped all over him. I don't know if James, I don't know if you remember the, the play that I'm talking about. It was it was, it was it was like the third and nine in like the third quarter I think I think I do remember Where that cause. Kansas City was going to punt. And they threw a late flag for defensive holding, and then you, they showed the replay. And Eli Apple literally had one arm draped around his waist. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, come on! They're going to call that all day long. So, your poll question of the day: Does the NFL have an officiating problem? Yes. No. Doesn't really matter. So far, 91% say that the NFL does have an officiating problem. 2% say no, and then the other 7% say it does not matter. Let's go to the game hotline now. John, what's going on?
3: Hey, uh, this is what John was talking about with the game yesterday. That late hit wouldn't even been a factor of the Bengals when they've given up such a huge punt return at the end of the game, they put them at, what, midfield or near yep. midfield? Yep. If they would have kept them in the 25, 30 yard where the punt was, then that late hit wouldn't have been no factor whatsoever. But as bad as the Chiefs played, if the Chiefs would have played any better, it might have been a blowout because Cincinnati played horrible. they couldn't protect Earl at all.
1: Yep. I agree with you 100%.
3: Now, a little bit off topic, but I just wanted to ask you and uh,
1: Matt: Is UL getting any love in the top twenty-five polls for basketball yet, or no? Nah? No, not yet. Um, I, I I think that it's a it's a little too early for that. Um, now, don't get me wrong: eighteen and four, incredibly impressive, eight-game winning streak. I, I, I love it. But I mean, you don't have any signature wins outside of the games you played in the Sun Belt. So it, it's going to be hard to get love from the AP.
3: Yeah, that's what I was figuring, too. Oh, well, that's what I was just wanting to talk about. And I'm with you. I don't like the 49ers. I'm like with Kevin Foote, the cheaters. They cheated everybody in the 80s and 90s. I got no I didn't lose no sleep. The only thing I was hoping was I was hoping Mitchell would have had a good game, but they didn't even play. So, no. hey, 49ers are out. The Cowboys are out. Is good. No Tom Shady Eber. Can't stand
1: Tom Brady. Appreciate the call, John.
4: Thanks.
1: And you know, we we, we talk about, uh, I, or I talked about how I can't side with the refs or or against the refs if you don't take care of your own business. I go back to the Nolan No Call, the most egregious call in the history of the NFL. But if you look back at that game, the Saints had chances to make it to where that play didn't matter. Dan Arnold doesn't drop the pe- drop the touchdown in the end zone. You force you force L.A. to punt it one more time than you did, and there were two drives where you could have scored touchdowns where you settled for field goals. You don't do that; the no-no call never even matters. Probably doesn't even happen because you wouldn't have been throwing the ball at that point. So you can't you can't blame the refs if, if you're not willing to to take care of of your own business. Let's go back to the game hotline, Neil. What's up?
5: Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, listen, I think that a more accurate question would be: Does the NFL officiating have an accountability problem? Because none of these refs have to go in front of the media and explain why they made the calls that they made. Like, they're totally cushioned from public opinion. They're totally uh, cushioned from any kind of uh, accountability for the calls that they do make. Like, they just make a call, and that's it. Like, you've got coaches, players that are contractually obligated to appear before the media and answer questions. Like, yeah, Marshawn Lynch did it. He went up there and was like, hey, I'm just here because I don't get fined. Like, I want to see a ref. I want to see these refs after the game in front of the media answering questions about why they made the calls that they made. Let's get some accountability in here and see if these calls don't change throughout the course of the season.
1: Uh, That's actually interesting. I I don't know that I'd be against that, Neil.
5: I like I, that's what I want to see. I want to see some accountability. There's like, they talk about the union and stuff like that. It's like these, number one, these guys are part timers. Like they're not even full-time refs. There's, there has to be full-time referees. There has to be some accountability. And if you make too many bad calls, like some kind of review board, where if you are involved in too many bad calls, you're out of a job. Like you get coaches fired all the time. For making poor clock management decisions, uh, poor personnel changes, quarterbacks are let go, traded, whatever, yep. because they throw too many interceptions, or you know they check down to the wrong at the wrong time, they miss wide open Got guys this, that, the other. Like, let's get some accountability for these referees.
1: Yep. No, I agree. I agree with you completely, Neil, and I appreciate the call, man. Take it easy. Yeah, I mean that. He's not wrong. You know, in in situations like that where it's a it's a big play, big moment. Maybe the refs should approach the media and and offer an explanation. And we we can get more into this yeah. after after we'll, we take a timeout. Uh, we'll take a timeout here on crunch time, and when we return, we'll continue this conversation on the NFL as well as hear from the winning coaches of the Chiefs and the Eagles here on crunch time.
0: This is crunch time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: The game is throwing you something far better than cheap plastic beads. This Mardi Gras score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras moolah tab, and you'll be on your way to winning that $500 Visa gift card. Is the game's Mardi Gras Moolah Sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's that simple. And it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
0: Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back, back to more, more Crunch time, time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Hell yeah, you
1: got something to say on the game hotline, 337-706-0111, that's 706-0111, let's go there now. Martin, what's going on, bud?
6: Oh, uh, not too much, you know, I, uh, I want to kind of chime in on a, y'all poll question, I mean, if you look at it, you know, and I commented on it, battle officiating is not just in the NFL, it's it's in Major League Baseball, that's why they're trying to go with up, which I'm kind of against because... Technology is made to fail. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, it can be good, but it can be bad in ways. I mean, it's in the NBA, hence the, you know, the, the call, I mean, with, the, with LeBron James this weekend. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but, you know, I mean, bad officiating is in every sport, you know? Now, one thing I definitely agree on is in the NFL, they need to do like in college football where – like uh, as far as pass interference goes, it's a fifteen yard penalty, pen, period. You see what I'm saying? Like they got some instances where they throw the flag; it's a forty yard penalty. You see what I'm saying? It's part of the foul. You know? Yep. But as far, uh I want to hear, um, you know, James Mesh's Mech, uh, opinion if he thought that was a foul because I know he's a, a Celtics fan. You know?
2: Oh, the that, the LeBron like, hit.
6: Yeah, the LeBron oh.
2: one. Oh, not only did Jason Tatum foul, but so did Malcolm Brogdon, on the way up. Right. So two two right. people fouled him, but he didn't he didn't get the call.
6: But that doesn't mean LeBron can throw a temper tantrum like he's famous Thank for you. doing and get on his knees, Thank and cry, you. Blah, blah. And then you got that clown uh, Patrick Beverly she going on the court with a camera. You know what you're gonna do, bro? It's a bad call. Move on with the game. You know, I mean, you're not they're not gonna overturn the officials. You know the call. Move on. You've, you know that's why I don't like LeBron. He's a, he's he's a crybaby. You know. With, I mean, move on with on that. With, it.
2: with that, you, you're only shooting yourself in the foot because you, cr- Pat Beverly created a technical with that, and it gave exactly. it gave Boston an extra possession, extra points. But
6: that's why Patrick Beverly is Patrick Beverly. That's what he do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but uh, but yeah, that's all I really have to say. You know what I mean? Bad officiating is, it, it, it is in every sport. Every nope. sport. And what are we gonna do? You know I mean we're, not all, we're all we're all still do, gonna keep you know?
1: watching, so what's it matter? Huh? We're all still gonna keep watching, so what's it matter?
6: Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And I mean they're not gonna do nothing about now, uh Miguez, are you for or against uh up and M L V? Against. Yeah. Uh, now, I
1: mean, now to if you wanna have because, like
6: I said, technology is made to fail. You if, know what if I'm you... saying? I mean, if
1: you, want to all... if you wanna do something if you wanna do something similar to what the MLB has, I mean not M L B similar to what like professional soccer has with a video assistant referee, a VAR, that's fine. Uh-huh. But completely robotic umpires? No, absolutely not.
6: And they and one more thing, they all for speeding up the game. How is that gonna speed right. up the game? Right. You see? Yeah, so but anyway, that's all I had, buddy. Y'all no. have a good
1: one. Appreciate the call, Martin. Yeah, I mean, in the MLB's instance, if you want to go with a backup option, like, look, you know, I'm not really sure. Let's go to, you know, a video review or whatever. Go for it. Fine. But robotic umpires? No, do not. And here's the thing
2: let's say you do that and it makes it cut and dry. Guess what? Now, NFL, MLB, NBA, soccer leagues. Guess well, well, not not really as much for soccer because there's not as much controversy because you do have the video assistant ref. But for the major leagues in America, if you have that go away and you just kind of go to robotic umps, I mean, I don't know. Unless you just like make it super specific on what like a pass interference and a holding is. Yep. At that point, guess what? Now the NFL, NBA, MLB, they don't have. Ways for you to create talking points. And when you're talking about people to keep themselves relevant, it's like you're you're still going to watch it. But it's like people aren't going to have Twitter polls and have conversations on yep. message groups and whatnot in, in real life. Kind of just talking about it, be like, well, this was a controversial call. If you get rid of all the controversy, now they don't have their name come out as much. Why do you think you look at like celebrities? They keep themselves relevant sometimes because they do controversial things to keep themselves in the news cycle. Yep. That's yeah. why that's
1: why there's no next to no action. Robo Robo umpires and, and robo referees in general would be bad for all sports. That's a bad idea. Um and and I mean if the MLB does go through with it, you'll see viewership go way down. Because it's like how that
2: way down. That almost takes us out of a job. Absolutely. Because it's like, what are we gonna talk about? There's nothing You're controversial here not to talk about, talk about baseball.
1: About. Oh, well, the the Yankees won seven to two. Like That's all pay, we can pull. talk about. Let's move on. Like no, no, nobody wants to hear that. Then we're gonna have to do more spelling bees, right? Right. Uh, real, real quick. Adam Schefter reports that Brock Purdy suffered a torn UCL in the game yesterday that will sideline him for six months. So, won't be ready until training camp a- at best. Yikes. And and w- we were looking at the
2: poll question. I, I think it was John Paul that had it. I like the idea of kind of just having and because we have Mike Pereira on mm-hmm. like Fox and we have I think Dean Blandino Den- for like CBS. Yep. It's like you know how they have their guys kind of like breaking it down for the people at home. Mm-hmm. It's like having someone be in the press box or like being in the box, kind of as a Sky judge almost. I've I like the idea because it's like look. You can only see certain perspectives on the field, on the ground. But like it's easier for us as a fan because we can just see it because we're over the top. We can see it all. Don't they kind of have that already though? Kind Don't they have officials that sit in the booth? If there is, I haven't really heard anything about it. They haven't sure. they haven't made they haven't made much news about it. But to me, having an official guy I remember there was a proposal for it, but I I never heard anything go through for it. But to me, having that, because it's the same thing with coaching. The coaches, they can see it over the top and be like, I saw this, coach, challenge it. It's right. like, you have somebody that can look over the top yeah. and, and make a difference. And also kind of going back to what Neil had said earlier about having them have press conferences. Yeah. it's It's fine and dandy and all, but guess what? You're going to get lame duck answers. You're going to kind of get coach speak. And generic stuff every time, like, well, when we saw it on the field, this is what—that's what we saw, and that's why we made the call. You're just going to get a bunch of that, so you're not going to get real, really any real clarity on these calls, more likely not. Ninety sure. percent of the time, you're not going to get it. They're just going to give lame duck answers, like how you get with coach speak a lot of time, where it's just, uh, just got to give hundred ten percent. We just didn't execute. Like, you're just going right. to get that. You're just going to be like, well, we just missed the call. Why'd you miss the call? Well, we just didn't see it this way. That's just how it's going to be. Right. Right. So it it's nice in theory, but the execution, it's not going to work. Why do you think Marshawn Lynch? Why do you think so many people just kind of just come up with regular ass answers? Right. There's, I'm just here so I don't get fined. That's what I'm saying. You're just, yep. I'm just here so I won't get fined. Yep. I'm just, I'm required to be here. I don't have to answer your question. though. Because even then, it's like, if it's a certain type of question, the player or coach can be like, I'm moving on. I'm not answering that. Right. It's like, yep. that, that's just how it is. It's it'd be beautiful to have it, and in a perfect world, everyone would answer the question. That way, you get more clarity on things. But it's just not going to happen.
1: Earlier, we spoke about Cajun's basketball eight-game win streak, eighteen and four on the regular season. The Cajun Chicken returns to the sidelines of the Cajun Dome this Saturday night when they take on Marshall at seven o'clock. However, you're going to hear from the Cajun Chicken next here on crunch time
0: you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles slings it far side stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off southwest louisiana's sports station a shot to left field going back on it's gordon he'll look up at the goner. you're home for the lsu tigers and houston astros
1: 436 here on your Monday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. That's 706-0111. The fabulous Cajun Chicken made his debut back in 1984 inside the Blackham Coliseum. Two years later when the Cajuns moved to the Cajun Dome, he followed. However, there's been a 20-year hiatus Without the Cajun Chicken, but no more. Saturday night, he makes his return to the Cajun Dome sidelines as Louisiana takes on Marshall in a 7 p.m. contest. Russell Heim, a.k.a. the fabulous Cajun Chicken, joins us here on the game. Hotline, Russell, thank you so much for taking the time, sir. How are you?
7: Oh, thank you for inviting me on the show.
1: So, you know, walk us through, let's go back to to 1984 and walk us through the decision to to become the Cajun Chicken. How did it come about? When was the idea pitched to you? Things like that.
7: Okay. um, The history is I started as Bud Man way back in 1982. And I was doing some of the UL, while I was doing the UL basketball games, The Bud Man actually got a little too popular, um, and was referred to as the USL mascot. That did not go over well with the powers that be at the university. And that's when they brought in Mr. Cajun. After a year of uh, sitting on the sidelines, uh, I got a, received a phone call and asking me if I could develop another character. For the university at that time, it was uh, Dr. Terry Don Phillips and uh, Wright Waters was uh, is the one who contacted me, and they said, "Look, we'd love for you to do a character. We liked what you were doing as Bud Man, but just not Bud Man." Um, they called me on a Wednesday and said, uh, "Could you have something here for Saturday's game?" It was a football game, and I went running around looking for costumes. I found a dog costume and a bird costume. I took the bird costume. Uh, it got dubbed the Cajun Chicken by Bruce Brown at the advertiser at the time, and that's how the Cajun Chicken came to be.
1: And so, you know, obviously the, the Cajun Chicken was very popular with, with the skits and, you know, distracting the opposing team and whatnot. But, Russell, when, when you moved out of Lafayette, the Cajun Chicken just kind of went away. And now that you're back, they're looking to bring the Cajun chicken back to the sidelines. What's that been like? You know, the, the, the process of making your return after 20 years.
7: I was at a basketball game right at the beginning of the season. Uh, Gerald Labor saw me and he pitched the idea to me and I had to go and look to see if one, if I still had a viable costume and what skits were available. I told him I'd be happy to come back for one game. Uh, The thought came up: Did I want to come back full time? That's when I showed them the date on my birth certificate. Uh, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, and I don't think these drumsticks can handle the full time uh, a chicken activities. So you know, I would love. I'm so glad to get a chance to come back and do it one more time for sure.
1: Yeah, and you know the, the the fan base is definitely looking forward to it. There's been such a buzz about the Cajun chicken returning. So what's kind of the, the game plan for Saturday night, you know, how many of the old skits are, are you bringing back? What, what kind of surprises can, can fans expect? Stuff like that.
7: Well, the, uh, the main skits I'm bringing back are the ones that probably the ones that people love the most. Uh, the Michael Jackson, the Elvis, uh, the Witch Doctor, and everybody's favorite, the Grim Reaper. Plus a few others in there.
1: Now, out of, out of those, which, which one is your favorite to do?
7: Oh, I hate this question. All of them, all of the above. Uh, the only one I'm having trouble with is I don't moonwalk like I used to. That I've been working on, but it just hasn't come back yet.
1: Chatting with Russell Heim, the Cajun Chicken. Now, Russell, you know, looking back at, at your time doing the Cajun Chicken for Cajun sporting events, what what are some of your favorite memories as the Cajun Chicken? Uh, for
7: sporting events. Uh, the night we beat uh, Texas A&M and the goalpost came down, I remember standing in the uh, uh, runway there, uh, the corridor back up to the athletic comp- complex with uh, Jake DeLome, and him and I were both just standing there looking out. Uh, what a great sight. One of the years that we won the uh, Sunbelt Conference in a uh, basketball I was honored when the team came to me and said, hey, look, we're cutting down the nets. We want you to cut down part of it also. That was a tremendous feeling for me. Just the so many football games, basketball games, the ones we've done on the road. uh, I could keep talking for a couple hours on all of that. But those are the ones that pop in my head right just real quick like.
1: Russell Heim, the Cajun Chicken, joining us here on the game hotline. Russell, really appreciate your time. So glad to have you back on the Cajun sidelines as the Cajun Chicken, and uh, we're all looking forward to Saturday night.
7: Well, I appreciate it. Um, I hope everybody comes out. I know that the university has been doing special ticket pricing, and they've got other stuff that they're going to be bringing out uh, for the game this weekend. They're going to make it a big deal Come out, uh, you know, we've got an incredible basketball team this year. Right now we're 18-4, and four, some really fantastic seniors. And that's a, one of the reasons I, I thought about doing this night was because it's senior night, and I'm a senior citizen now. So
1: that's
2: fantastic. Everybody come
7: out and support those the seniors, including yeah. me.
1: That's fantastic. Russell, appreciate your time. Enjoy the game Saturday night.
7: Thank you all. Bye.
1: And there he goes, Russell Heim. The Cajun Chicken, they are doing, like he mentioned, it is senior night. Uh, it, the Cajuns taking on the Thundering Herd of Marshall. There will be special ticket prices. And for ticket information, you can head to RagingCajuns.com backslash, you ready for this, James? Backslash Chicken. com backslash Chicken gives you all the ticket information that you will need For Saturday night, tickets as low as seven dollars to get into the Cajun Dome for that matchup with Marshall. Speaking of the Cajuns, we'll we'll recap their big win over Georgia Southern. But you know, hear from Bob Marlin right now following the win. Look, you know, team was down forty nine to thirty at the half, scored sixty four points in the second half to come back and win it ninety four to eighty seven. Uh, just what an outstanding second half for the Cajuns and Bob Marlin. Right after the game, shared his opening thoughts on the win.
8: Hey, what a great night uh, for our team! It didn't start off very good early, but we were able to regroup at halftime. We knew that we could get back in the game, and you know the goal is a point a minute. And I think it's sixteen. We, we cut into the, we won the first four minutes. That was our goal, and then we won the next four minutes. And at the nine. Once it got to, to 10, then the crowd was into it for the whole rest of the game. They were, I've never seen a crowd since I've been here in a long time that I can remember that was as into the game for an entire second half. Uh, and we needed them. You know, the guys fed off of them. And we were able to, to take the lead, I believe, with 9.39 left and then hang on the rest of the way. But a uh, great effort from our guys. Their their pride was challenged a little bit at halftime and I would say they responded.
1: I mean, James, you looked at the first half. Georgia Southern was shooting sixty-seven percent from the field, including sixty-six percent from downtown. Yeah, made six out of nine attempts from I mean, three point range. How do you even that's, that's even tough. when you're even when you're playing well, when your opponent does that, I mean, what do you what do you do? And so, you know, I remember sitting at halftime and I looked over at Dawson, our, our new morning producer, and I looked at him and I said, man, there's no way that Georgia Southern keeps shooting like this. There's no way they do this for 40 minutes. And sure enough, I was right because they shoot six of nine from three in the first half. They go two of five in the second half. But, you know, obviously credit to the Cajuns for for playing defense. Man, full court press was incredible. And it was crazy that it was as good as it was because you know, talking to Bob Marlin after the game, they hadn't they haven't had to press really against anybody most of this season. So the fact that it was as good as it was it was really impressive and here's coach Marlin on their ability to put pressure on the defense.
8: I told the coaches we're we're going to go 41s our full court defense and not even trapping just but just pressing up on them, and they threw the ball in underneath the goal. They threw it in in the corners, and it just asked for trouble. So we said, if you're under the goal or in the corners, double it. I mean, it's like the one Joe Charles had. He just took it from the guy and laid it in before I knew what had happened. So I thought Joe was huge tonight. You know, uh, Themis was big. I thought Jordan played great for practicing, you know, missing three days of practice or two days in a game. But, yeah, just excited that we were able to get up and press. We worked on that this week in practice. We don't do it all the time, but thank goodness I worked on it one day and it paid off.
1: Yeah, you know, the the play that Coach Marlin is mentioning, I don't remember who scored the basket, but the Cajun scored and Georgia Southern goes to inbound it. And obviously, you know, Georgia Southern is trying to create separation and, and get away from the Cajun defender, well, as the guard steps away to take the inbound pass, Joe Charles comes out of nowhere. James catches the ball in midair, and while he's in the air, just lays it in. Quick four points, just like that. It was literally if you'd have bl- if you would have blinked in that exact moment, you'd have missed it. You'd have had no clue what happened. It was so. It was like done. It was, it was absolutely incredible, the, the plays that the Cajuns were able to make. Greg Williams was huge with, with 21 points. Jordan Brown coming back after missing Thursday night's game with an illness. He had 20 of his own. Kentrell Garnett with 12. Terrence Lewis with a double-double at 16 and 11. And again, Joe Charles, only seven points, but he had eight rebounds and two steals, a difference maker defensively for the Cajuns. And, and the stat to really look at 17 to 4 in the offensive rebound category. 17 to 4 on offensive rebound. Absolutely incredible with the win the Cajuns are now 18 and 4 while Georgia Southern falls to 12 and 11. We'll wrap up Bauer number 1 right after this.
0: This is crunch time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: If you need help taking your lady out for Valentine's Day, the help you need can be found inside the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Score a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cybers Bayou Casino Resort, a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville, $40 to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, $25 Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You could win any of these great prizes to help you with Valentine's Day, but you have to join the Game Clubhouse in order to do it. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com It's free. It's simple. Sign up today.
0: Tune in every weekday at 8 15 a.m. and 3 15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: All right, let's continue that ref conversation because Ralph, he had sent us a report. Because we were talking about it earlier, Matt, how we didn't know if like there was officially a Sky Judge. He had sent us a tweet. Kind of talking about how NFL approves expansion authority for the NFL replay officials ahead of 2021 season. So it's been here for a couple seasons. There was thing that I did find interesting about it, though, because it says while the officials have informally provided advice in past years, they will not be told to guide on field refs on their decisions, which to me, it's like they're kind of there. In case like there's something really, really controversial, and then they can give their opinion, but it's like other than that, they're just like, look, a judgment call, go for it, like pass interference, because that's my biggest thing. I agree how I don't necessarily like how pass interference can be a sixty-yard penalty if the quarterback throws it sixty Correct. yards. I don't like it because you think about it, it's like well that very easily could be a sixty-yard catch, but it's it's an abusive rule because you can just throw. Pass the 60 Hail, yards. Hail Marys You can just throw Hail Mary's all you want. That's how some offenses are able to even score correct. because some of them are scrubs and they just can't score because they're not very good, but they still have an opportunity to score and get at least field goals because the quarterback just threw it 40 yards and was like,
1: hey, go try and get it. And then you can force yourself to kind of get a call. I just saw a video on Twitter. It, it's another call that they missed in the Chiefs-Bengals game. On that punt return? Right There was a the, block in the back. Block in the back.
2: Blatant blocking the back too. I saw one. I think I looked at it and like they showed a different angle for it, and I looked at. It, I was like,
1: uh I don't know. If, I don't know if you can call that one. And and again, yeah, I'll, I'll hammer my point from from the first segment. Should you shouldn't have to worry about it. I, I'm not. I'm not going to say, oh, the refs cost you the game, because that's not true. Your interceptions and your poor play cost you the game. The refs just didn't help you. If you take care of business, it,
2: it shouldn't you, matter. You shouldn't have to put and and people your people, game in the
1: hands of the refs. People get really mad at me when I bring up that conversation involving the Nolan o call, But I'm not wrong. If Dan Arnold doesn't drop that touchdown in the end zone in the first quarter, and then those two drives, like I mentioned, where you ended up with touchdowns instead of, I mean, field goals instead of touchdowns, you win that game. And like I said earlier, the way the game would go at that point, you probably don't even, you never see the NOLA no call because you're not throwing the football with two minutes left to go in the game. That's my thing. So, does the NFL have an officiating problem Yes, I think they do. I, I think you need, you know, I, I think it was Neil that mentioned it. A lot of NFL referees are part timers. I think that's crap. I think if you want to be a NFL referee, I think there needs to be a role where a percentage of them are full time career guys. Because uh, I mean. Otherwise these guys are like, "Up, oh, I'm here just collecting a check. Let's move on." And and here's
2: the thing with that. How many people are out here openly being like, "I want to be a referee?" Right. That's that's the issue is there's not a surplus of people wanting to be referees. Not at all. Could could the NFL shovel out money to be like, "Hey, I want we want to make you full-time referees?" Sure, they could. They're not going to cuz save a little bit of money but who how many people are out here openly being like I want to be a referee I want to take on that responsibility I want to have a microscope on me for every little call or no call that I make in a game correct how many people want that pressure especially in an NFL MLB NBA setting where there is millions of people watching you on a nightly and weekendly basis absolutely absolutely that's the issue because people are so critical on what you do. Darren had brought up on the Twitter poll question his comment. It's like, how would pe- like regular people like it if you- if people were microscoping every little thing you did at your job
1: and every little mistake you did and-, and magnify it? I wouldn't like it. I can tell you that much. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we're going to continue this conversation. Plus, we're going to talk LSU baseball. They had media day on Friday a lot of expectations for the top team in the country. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.
0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miquez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Hour number two. Technically, only 30 minutes of crunch time right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline 337 706 0111. That's 706 0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast. Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. So earlier in hour number one, we broke the news. The Brock Purdy suffered a complete tear of his UCL, and he will undergo surgery. Timetable for his return is six months. For now. According to Tom Pellicero, Purdy is seeking second opinions, but the initial hope is that he can undergo a repair of the UCL and be ready for training camp. Now, if the wording is he has to undergo a reconstruction of the UCL. You, you see that surgery happen a lot in baseball, James, and, and we call it Tommy John. That's an 18-month recovery. Purdy would miss all of next season and then probably some of 24. So we you could be talking a major difference in what that second opinion turns out to be. If that ends up being the case,
2: Jimmy G comes back once again? No, I think you I you I, just you think you just stick with Trey Lance? I think you have to. That's but that's tough because you traded for Christian McCaffrey, correct? So you've got all that money. So you're pay, you got all these players. You haven't paid Nick Bosey yet.
1: But here's the thing. We haven't seen the Niners' offense with Trey Lance and Christian McCaffrey. It's just tough because we had heard from
2: previous 49ers 49er legends like Steve Young and Joe mm-hmm. Montana being like we don't think the kid's ready. We don't we don't think he's ready to well, be a be- starting quarterback. Because because he's not. And then, and then we saw it and it's like I'm just curious if we if you go into the offseason and you don't sign a guy or like you don't sign him like early on, it's like to me that you look to take to just kind of stick with Trey Lance. And then maybe it's like do you after that if you're still looking at him, you're like oh dear god we still don't have we we still don't trust him. And I then at that point do you just like have to try and make a trade for somebody or do you have to like just sign somebody that's available that's
1: just a long time vet? I just I don't know that you can re-sign Jimmy to another one year deal. Not only that but like like you said you still have to pay Nick Bosa you still have to pay a couple other guys. Can you really afford to put another $17, $18 million on your book by signing Jimmy G? I don't think you can. So if I'm the Niners, I'm going to ride Trey Lance on his yeah, this what, coming $4 million deal.
2: This coming up season... Uh, because what? because Bosa was the number two overall pick. Correct. He's gonna get seventeen million, and then in twenty
1: twenty four he's gonna be a free agent. What is what is Trey Lance owed in in twenty twenty three? Because again, I'm thinking it's probably four to five million, and and if that's the case, that's much cheaper than going the Jimmy Garoppolo route. Three point seven. Okay, you see exactly.
2: So if I'm the Niners, but what I'm saying is, if you still don't. Because you have all this talent around him, you still got Ayuk. Because you're, because I mean, either you're gonna have to let Ayuk walk or trade him, or you're gonna have to sign him to a contract as well. Because Correct. he's been pretty good, which is for the reason why you can't sign Jimmy G. So it's like at that point, do you either because you have all this talent, and if Brock Purdy, if it's gonna be Tommy John, and he's gonna be out for the next eighteen months, yep. if that's the case, and Trey Lance still isn't what they want him to be do you have to go get a vet to just kind of have him sit there and be like and then you're you're going to flip flop maybe floppy. maybe cuz that's that's all of a sudden a real issue but
1: i i think you you now sit down with Trey Lance and go look step it up o- OTA's training camp week 1 it's your job but you have to keep it you have to earn it. Because the second you slip, you're losing it again. I think that has to be the message from the Niners. It's your job as long as you're doing well. Now, can, can the expectation be, you know, you got to go win 12 games? I don't know. I, I don't know that you can say that. Trey Lance's numbers have to be good enough for you to say he can be our guy. You don't have to ask for
2: 12 and 5. I think you look, you looking as a 49ers team, if Brock Purdy's not there and you don't get a, a splashy free agent, like if Tom or Aaron Rodgers doesn't come and you still gotta stick with Trey and like get a vet backup looking at 9-8, and 10-7 to me is something that you can look for because then you'll
1: be a 6-7 seed. That way you still have a shot in the playoffs and you can still surprise people. But you people. see, my thing is this. Say you go 10-7, and seven, but Trey Lance is only throwing for 150 yards a game. Nah, dude. You gotta go.
2: Well, if you still got Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey still doing what they did this year, and it's still enough to win you games, it was the same thing with
1: Brock Purdy. He only had to throw still, for 150. I still want my quarterback averaging 200 yards a game at the end of the season. I mean, I'd love that, too. At the end of the season, you need to average 200 yards a game. If it's and butts for So nuts. 17 games, I want you to have at least 30. I want you to have 3,000 yards at the end of the year.
2: Yeah, so you're looking for about 180. If,
1: if, if, you, if you're under 3,000 yards and you played all 17 games, I think we've got a problem.
2: Which is roughly about what Brock Purdy had in his 10 starts. Correct. Like, if you, if you just count this, because obviously he only threw four passes for 30 yards, so right. kind of have to negate that because then that really lowers his average. It's it's about two hundred, it's it's about two hundred or so. Yeah. So I mean that's fair. So it's like if, if Trey's if Trey's throwing for one eighty or one seventy, but he's also getting you 40, 50 on the ground, then as that's well. fine.
1: That's fine.
2: Because because if he can get you like thirty, I mean, are you gonna be mad? Because now you have your yeah. Now you have two twenty two thirty with Correct.
3: him.
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah. I mean at that point that's fine. But look, you know another conversation that we might need to have here in the in the not so in the not so distant future. Tongue tied there for a second. The Pelicans. We haven't talked about them yet today. James, is it time to worry about the Pelicans? I, I know they're still injury ridden, and, and last night they were without C.J. Brandon and Zion. But James, that's eight straight now. They haven't won a game in almost two weeks. And they have now fallen from fourth to eighth. eighth. Mm -hmm. Zion's not going to be back for another two weeks at best. You can't afford to lose another eight games before Zion comes back. So depending on what the issues are with McCollum and Ingram, because they're both listed as day-to-day, something's going to have to give.
2: This is the issue, though. Not Not only have they been playing a lot of really good teams recently, which is part of the reason why they've been on this big losing streak, but that's the thing. You've got players that get injured pretty often, and those are your mainstays. Those Those are your big names on your team that are supposed to con- contribute a whole bunch, but Zion's missed two-thirds of his career so far. Correct. Brandon Ingram, even though he's a real he's really good, he he felt like he was dependable for the first while in a Pelicans uniform. But he had quite a few injuries himself, if I'm not mistaken, in his career. CJ's been relatively healthy, so this is kind of new for him. But it's like relying on guys that not like kind of just fragile. That's that's tough for a squad to
1: keep themselves and in. And now, it. and now, look, I'm not I'm not worried about the fact that the Pelicans are eighth. Because if you look at the standings, there are three games difference between third and tenth in the West right now. The West is jam tight. Mm-hmm. Because even the Lakers, like
2: three or four games under five hundred, they're thirteenth. But guess what? They're, they're they're still with they're still
1: somewhat in the race. They're very easily. They're they're two games out of the play in. Like the the West is tight. So if the Pelicans could get back on the winning track. You're right back up there. But my concern is this. You've lost eight straight. Your core guys aren't staying healthy. And if if I'm completely honest, your young guys aren't stepping up for you either. So what is it going to take for Willie Green and the Pelicans to get out of the slump that they're in. Because you look at some of the losses that they've had, and that's really what what bothers me, James. You look at the way they've lost. Miami, you lose by four. Had a chance to win the game late, just didn't finish it. You come home, play Denver, the best team in the West. Had them on the ropes and couldn't finish the job. And then the, the last you know three or so games, you lost to Minnesota by nine. Okay, fine. You lost to the Wizards by ten. Okay, fine. Last night against Milwaukee, you got straight up embarrassed. One thirty five to one ten. That just can't happen. Now again, I understand they're without their key pieces, but if everybody's going to be so high on Naji Marshall and, and Trey Murphy and Jose Alvarado and Herb Jones and guys like that, when B.I. and Zion can't play, those guys have to step up. And if your bench doesn't step up for you, how do you how do you expect to contend for anything in the NBA? You can't. So the the Pelicans are gonna have to have a, a come to Jesus or something. They're gonna have to figure something out. I uh, I looked at
2: all of their recent losses going all the way back to, I mean, even losing to the Grizzlies. When was this? This was a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, December 31st, New Year's Eve. I mean, you look at their losses, every single one of them, except for the Magic loss. Those are all teams that are 5th, 6th, 7th at the worst in either conference in, Correct. in standing. Correct. So it's like, and it's not like most of them are necessarily blowouts. They're still somewhat in the games. That's, that's the, that's just the issue though, is because you don't have the, you have all these injuries with your star players, but then everybody else, they're not used to being leaders. They're not used to being the alpha dog. So they, they don't necessarily, they're not to me able to kind of step up and be that guy to take
1: over. But that's a problem because when you get to the NBA it's a next man up mentality. CJ McCollum's out for 3 weeks. All right, Jose Alvarado, you got to step up. And you have to contribute. Because if you I mean a team can't lose 10 games in a row just cuz their guys out. I mean that's not a recipe for success. I mean
2: you you got to get it like one or one or two in every once in a while. To, to try and keep yourself afloat for sure. But to me that's there's a reason why these guys are the stars
1: and they're the starters. That 4-point loss to Miami, that 1-point loss to Denver, you you, you got to win those games. You just have to. Those those were missed opportunities for sure. And then you just got absolutely exposed by the Bucks oh, last dude, night. Absolutely owned you. Absolutely owned you. You had no answer for anything that Giannis and them were doing. And I mean whatever, you know Milwaukee's second in the East or third in the East, I'm okay with that. I I don't want to be embarrassed, but I'm okay with losing to them. But teams like the Wizards and teams like the Magic and even going back to the the Heat, even.
2: I'm sorry, the the Wizards and the Magic were the were the two pretty much the two that were the worst because the Wizards are currently ninth in the East. Yeah. You, Whereas you, pre and and then the magic as you can you well, just you,
1: you just can't lose to those teams you just can't you you have to find ways to win those games if you want to be taken seriously in the NBA we'll and you, that
2: that was that was a thing pretty
1: much with with a lot of people they
2: they believed in the Pelicans it's just as long as you stay healthy correct but now that you've had now that you've got three starters out it's like I don't know how you're supposed to win games consistently or at all. Because everyone else, I mean everybody's dealing with injuries at this point, but it it doesn't feel like it's as bad as the pelicans, and that, that's just that's just what it
1: comes down to and that health and, and, and that's, availability. and that's concerning, look, I love Gail Benson, but do the Saints slash pelicans have a problem with hiring medical staffs? Something to look at. It's definitely something to consider. We'll, uh, we'll take a timeout. When we return, we will talk more about the conference championship games. You'll hear from Nick Sirianni and Andy Reid, and then we'll throw it over to Patrick Wright inside the PMAC right here on The Game.
0: This is Crunch Time on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, use it to listen to the game Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana, and it's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go.
0: Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Crunch Time 521 here on your Monday. Yesterday, again, the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship. Chiefs and Eagles punching their tickets to Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona. Saw a statistic earlier number of wins in State Farm Stadium this season. Chiefs, one. Eagles, one. The Arizona Cardinals, the team that plays their home games inside State Farm Stadium, one. And guess who that one was against? Oh, those New Orleans Saints. Quite literally, the Hoodats. Oh, New Orleans. Yeah, you know. Shout out. Shout out to the 504. It's a a great time. But, you know, following – we'll start with the NFC title game. Following the win, Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni was asked if he felt like his players were being disrespected during the week.
9: I just think that we wanted to come out and and make sure that we – we knew how we know how mentally and physically tough we are, and, and physically tough toughness is one part is about physical physicality, and the other part is about mentally tough. And uh, we got mentally tough guys that have been through ups and downs, not only on the football field but in life. And you know, when you're able to withstand the storm and 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 just keep fighting, it, you know that not only sets you up well in life because we know how life is with the ups and downs, but it also. It prepares you for moments like this, where you know it's going to be a slugfest back and forth. And so, I wouldn't say we, we felt disrespected by, by anything by any means, but we wanted to come out here and, and, and let ourselves know and let we knew we knew, um, but let everybody know that you know how physical how physically tough we are and how mentally tough we are. You know, no matter what was going to happen in that game, I know we I know these guys in this locker room we're going to keep fighting and keep ripping it. Um, because they've been through life's ups and downs, and they and they and they and, they're, and they were built for this.
1: Eagles punching their ticket to Super Bowl fifty-seven. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith—just some of their key players on offense—and then their defense: Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, and Chauncey Gardner Johnson. You know, looking at the Eagles, I have no hate. For the Eagles, just don't want to see him win a Super Bowl this year. And and the reason why is James, do you know how disheartening it would be to watch the Eagles lift the Lombardi Trophy and then two months later have a top ten draft pick thanks to the Saints? It would suck. It it would absolutely suck to see
2: the Eagles finesse the Saints in a trade, win the Super Bowl, and then also have CJ Gardner Johnson win the Super Bowl. Like it it would just be utterly. It's, it's the same thing with Boston Scott because Saints could easily have Boston Scott. Correct. right now on Correct. their roster but nope they're like mm, we don't need you're you you're not good enough and we don't, now we don't look like you that. go and, and now look at that you need a running back
1: <laughs> funny how that works soccer Nick Sirianni also was asked how limited the Niners became when Brock Purdy went back out after injuring his elbow No,
9: you know he had the he had the thing on his arm so we we figured he uh, he probably couldn't throw it down the field but we you don't really truly know um, we knew they'd like to do some screens in that scenario because it's a short pass. Um, we knew they were going to run it um, to, to try to keep him out, you know, keep him out of some some danger there. I got a lot of respect for Brock that that he came back in and, and fought. Uh, a ton of respect for him because I know he, obviously he was hurting, uh, bad, uh, you know, bad. Um, and that's what my guys, all my all my te- former teammates over at Iowa State said about the guy. I know that that kid's a winner. Um, and he, and he obviously showed a, a great toughness today to come back in when his team was in a bind. Um, but you don't know quite until they until you see the game plan unfolding a little bit. I think once you get them in third and mediums and stuff like that and they're not pushing it down the field, I think that kind of gives you an indication. Um, but, you know, uh, that uh, – yeah, so it, it took a little bit of the time, but, but not, not, not too long.
1: And then flipping over to the Chiefs, Bengals, Andy Reid after the game – gave his thoughts on playing against his former team on the league's biggest stage
4: yeah I had a great time there so 14 years a long time huh and um, I'm happy for them I'm happy for the city um, uh, they're passionate they love football. I, mean, I can't wait till uh, Kansas City and Philly clash it's going to be it's going to be awesome man I mean what a great what a great Super Bowl will be
1: Andy Reid also gave credit to all of his players that fought until the very end.
4: Tribute to, to the work ethic. Pat out there doing his thing. Kelsey, uh, who missed the last day of practice. You know, all that stuff. So um, I, I'm proud of them for for everything they've done. Great for the city. Our fans were unbelievable. Um, Buck Kerr, I mean, what a redemption story. He comes back and after a high ankle sprain has kind of moved his... Season a different direction than he wanted for a period there, and he came back and just knocked it out. Sky Moore, uh, who had the drops early, was called on to go out there and return, and he did a he did a great job um, with a you know what ended up stealing uh, MVS. Uh, had a had a nice day, uh, as did all those all the receivers. Uh, we only had three of them, so by the end, so they all did nice. Our young secondary. Uh, two of them got interceptions and uh, and six helped cause the interception for uh for 23 so i mean it was a great deal chris jones had a an unbelievable game along with frank clark i mean uh constantly in the backfield uh and just busted their tail i mean it was i mean what a performance they had so
1: flipping over to women's college basketball LSU in Tennessee getting ready to get underway here at the top of the hour LSU 20 and 0 8 0 in the SEC currently number 3 in the country meanwhile Tennessee 16 and 7 on the season but they're 8 0 in the, in the SEC this is going to be a great matchup inside Pete's Palace Tennessee coming off of a loss to UConn the other night 84 to 67 while LSU again 20 and O so far this season LSU is sitting at a 12 and a half point favorite with an over under of 147 James in your opinion can Kim Mulkey and the Tigers get to 21 and0 in this contest
2: I think they can I mean they, they have not shown me anything they they were finally battle tested we talk about the Eagles how they haven't been necessarily battle tested we you kind of feel like yet this season. LSU got their got a really big test against Arkansas a couple of games ago, and to me that shows that they've got the grit. I I I still believe that they can still get, still be undefeated by the time we get to that big matchup versus South Carolina.
1: You know, it's crazy to see a Tennessee team have have this much success. It feels like it's been a really long time since the Lady Vols were as talented as this group is. Uh, you know, ever since Pat Summit died, it feels like they kind of struggled to get back to, to where Pat had them. But I really think that they're getting there now with players like Rekia Johnson and Jordan Harston really leading leading the charge for the Vols. I think it's going to be a good matchup. Obviously, Angel Reese is, is going to do – she's going to get hers. She's going to do what she's done all season long. Look for Flaugé Johnson and Alexis Morris to contribute in big ways as well. And I think the Tigers get the win here. I want to thank Russell Heim for joining us today. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Guys. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we will talk to you tomorrow 4-6 to six, right here on the game. It's 103-7 Lafayette, 104-1 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Let's send it over to the Pete Maravich Assembly, center, assembly center for LSU versus Tennessee right here on the game. Here's the voice of the Lady Tigers, Patrick Wright.